0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 10th of November 2013, entitled Dealing with the Drought, and the Bible reading is Psalm 32. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Psalm 32. I invite you to uh, stand with me for the reading of God's Word, and uh, we'll be reading Psalm 32, verses 1 through 11 Psalm of David it Says blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered blessed is the man unto whom the lord imputeth not iniquity and in whose spirit there is no guile when i kept silence my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long for day and night thy hand was heavy upon me my moisture is turned into the drought of summer I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto me. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, shall, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Father, we thank you again this evening, Lord, for this time that we can have together. Thank you again as we gather here today, Lord, that we've got your word that's been preserved for us, your spirit to give us understanding. Father, on this Remembrance Day, we give thanks once again, Lord, for the many, Lord, that are serving in all parts of the world that... uh, Uh, Lord, of their serving, that we might have the freedoms to be here this evening. So we pray that you would meet with us, that you'd bless our time together. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. Really, I guess for our central thought and text, we're going to be, I guess, looking at the psalm, but uh, he said there in verse 4, for day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Of course, as we look at this verse, we see the psalmist giving us both sides of the pictures. Uh, He knows that he serves a great God, and he knows the blessing of being forgiven by that God, but he also knows that as a sinner that uh, uh, he's come upon a time in his life when that uh, he's describing here in verse 4 when uh, the moisture is turned into the drought of summer. You ever feel like you're in a drought? Uh, You know, Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38... He said, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And of course, that's something that the world doesn't understand a lot of times uh, when everything is so bad around us and everything is going on, how that uh, the Christian, uh, the Jesus is talking about here, those that believe on Him, those that belong to Him, those that are, uh, that are the children of God, that uh, the Bible says that out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water. Uh, but David had met a time in his life when uh, that overflow had stopped. There wasn't any overflow whatsoever. Uh, as a matter of fact, from what he was saying here, man, everything had just dried up. Uh, spiritually, he uh, had hit the bottom. Uh, he didn't feel that uh, those rivers of living water flowing out of him whatsoever. And uh, he described them as literally as being in a drought. And as we begin to look at these things, I would ask ourselves, well, you know, what caused that condition and what did he do to get out of it? Because I've never met a Christian that doesn't uh, have a drought occasionally, uh, that doesn't hit a dry time when that uh, uh, you just don't feel those rivers of uh, of living water flowing from you. Uh, but God is always there uh, he never ever ever is asleep he's never off the job and uh, and I think that we can just see a, a few simple things from this psalm this evening that uh, as we see here first of all you know let's look at david's condition what was it that put him in a position that he was facing a drought spiritually uh, that everything just seemed to have uh, have dried up because you see uh, first of all he said there that uh, uh, verse three said when I Kept silence. Uh, it was a time when uh, uh, it was it was it was a time of silence for him. Uh, he was refusing to uh, uh, to talk about it. And of course, uh, uh, we know that many times that when we uh, fail God and when we falter along the way, and when uh, we know we we get a good look at ourselves and we're not happy with what we see, that sometimes the easiest thing for us we just don't want to talk about it. Uh, We just want to keep silent about it. And yet God tells us to come to it. He tells us to confess those faults. He tells us to confess them one to another. And He also tells us to come to Him. And that if we are faithful and just to confess those faults, that He's faithful and just to forgive us those sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, the Bible says. And, of course, that makes the devil mad. Uh, You know, it's not an easy thing when you're really struggling with something. To come to your brothers and sisters in Christ, you know one point that I've I've always tried to uh, to make over the years, uh, when we have our prayer meetings here on Wednesday evenings, you know we ought to be able to talk about anything and pray about anything with each other. Uh, we're a family, we're united together, uh, and it shouldn't go beyond that. It's not something that you should have to worry about. You know the devil doesn't like it because he knows that when you start confessing and praying one for another, that uh, you're likely to get victory over that thing. But David was just wanting to keep quiet about it. Uh, things weren't going right. And, of course, we know the sin that he had uh, uh, committed, uh, and we know that uh, it was something that uh, a lot of other people knew about it, and, uh, and yet he didn't want to talk about it. We find that uh, it was that. And also he, he not only was, uh, was silent about it, uh, he says, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day. Uh, he was silent on the outside. But according to this verse, he was, he was hurting on the inside. Uh, there's a lot of inner pain that apparently is, is going on here. He, he likens it to, uh, to, to a roaring. Uh, have you ever been in a situation where that, uh, uh, maybe you were trying not to show it on the outside and you didn't want anybody to know it, but inside uh, you were hurting? Uh, inside, it was like maybe just a a roaring lion that was just ripping you apart because you were hurting, but you didn't want to burden other people with it. And David is in that position here. Uh, David has committed a horrible sin, uh, and yet he he wanted to keep silent about it. He wanted to just forget about it, hide it over, keep it to himself. Uh, on the outside, uh, he didn't want to say anything, and yet on the inside, we find that uh, uh, he was in in tremendous pain. Uh, but he also knows that uh, uh, that he was under the uh, uh, the chastening hand of God. What's he say there in verse 4? For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. David had committed this horrible sin. Uh, he had not only uh, allowed himself to be drawn in by the flesh, by the enticement of the flesh, uh, but then he had plotted to Uh, to have this uh, woman's husband murdered and killed and got out of the way so that uh, he could have her for himself. But after he had done this terrible wrong, uh, he wanted to just keep quiet about it. Uh, But yet inside he was hurting because he knew that the Lord's hand was heavy upon him. That word heavy there literally carries the idea of being grievous. Uh, It's, it's, you know, it's, it's I guess probably what we would uh, uh, consider today, uh, you know, when we often talk about depression, uh, people being depressed. And of course, there's all kinds of depressions. We find all kinds of descriptions of it today. And uh, sometimes it's uh, uh, physical and sometimes it's emotional. There's all kinds of different things. but uh, uh, But David felt the Lord's hand was heavy upon him. David was being disciplined, and he didn't enjoy it. He didn't want to talk about it. He wanted to keep silent about it, but at the same time, inside, he was being ripped apart, and that's what sin will do to you. When we try to to hide it, when we try to uh, to cover it up, then uh, the simple truth is that it will destroy us. Uh, John Phillips, in his commentary on this psalm, he said that before David made a complete breast of his sin and openly confessed it, which we know he eventually did do, he tried to hide it. But sin is very hard to conceal. Too many people knew about what he had done, knew of the visit of Uriah to Jerusalem, his dedicated refusal to take uh, his ease at home when the army was fighting furiously in the field, and his very convenient death that David had arranged for. Uh, David discovered something. Uh, He discovered that sin was spoiling his life. You see, David... He had a low time when he was in a real drought, but the reason was it is that there was things in his life that wasn't right, but he wasn't wanting to deal with it. He was letting those things there. He was just wanting to, to keep silent about it. He was wanting to pretend that they weren't there. He was being torn apart on the inside. He knew that the Lord was dealing with him. He knew that the Lord was convicting him, and yet he just wanted to forget that it was happening. So that's not a good condition to be in. And, of course, we know that, uh, uh, that all of us, little things can turn into big things. And so we find that uh, uh, this is a bad condition to be in, but not only do we see David's condition here, I want you to notice his confession. Uh, and that's where that he had to, uh, uh, to come to. David, he says in verse 5, I acknowledged my sin. You see, he begins here and he's talking, what a wonderful, tremendous blessing. Blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven, that his sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity and in whose spirit there is no God. He knew what it was like, what a blessing it is to be, to be right with God, to have that sin dealt with, to, uh, to not have those things in our lives that uh, are getting us down. But he said, but me. He said, I just want to keep silent about it. I wanted to keep it to myself. I was absolutely, my insides were roaring. This thing was tearing me apart. I knew that God's hand was upon me. I knew that it had to deal about. And in verse 5, what did he come to the point of having to do? He said, I acknowledged my sin unto thee. Um, now, he didn't have to let God in on it. Uh, he didn't have to acknowledge it so that God would find out about it. Uh, so many times we get the idea, you know, that uh you know we're maybe keeping it from God as well, but uh, you know when we acknowledge our sin, it's not so that God can know about it. When we confess it, it's not so that He can know about it, it's so that we can agree with God about it. Uh, God already sees our sin and God knows our sin. And what David was was having to do here was was to face it himself, uh, to quit denying it, and to be able to to look at that sin and feel about that sin in the same way that God did. It's interesting because in this chapter, he, he uses four different words in here to talk about his sin. Uh, first of all, he, uh, he uses that word transgression. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. The word transgression. The word transgression uh, speaks of a, uh, uh, of a defiance. If you would, I guess we would uh, often refer to it as being a little bit rebellious. Uh, sometimes when, uh, uh, you know, we first see it in, in, in children a lot of times when uh, that first time when they're told to do something and they say, no, they're being rebellious against the authority. Well, we might not shout it out like that child does when we have to correct them, but that's exactly what our heart's doing a lot of times. When God's trying to say something to us and inside we're just saying, no, no, it's that rebellion, that's that uh, uh, that transgression that he is uh, uh, talking about. You see, our sin, when we go against God, our sin is rebelling against him and what's right in his word. It's a defiance to what he has told us uh, to do with our life. And so uh, he speaks here about his sin. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Notice next, whose sin is covered. Now, it's interesting when I looked at this word sin because we think of sin in a lot of ways a lot of times. It's, uh, it's a defect, uh, it's something that, uh, that isn't right. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you look up the Hebrew word that's translated sin here, I won't try to pronounce it, but it, uh, it means to miss the mark or fall short. Isn't that interesting? Now, what is it in Romans three twenty All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This, this this word here in the Hebrew carries with it the same meaning as that word in the Greek in the New Testament. Again, this talking about missing the mark of, of, of not being able to, you know, uh, again, a lot of times it was used of an archer when he would shoot his arrow at the bullseye and he would miss the mark. He wouldn't quite be on center. And of course, when we think about missing the mark, all of sinned and come short of what? The glory of God. You see, that's the, that's, the, that's the bullseye, if you would. Uh, that's the target. That's the goal. Uh, and when we compare ourselves, we can, uh, you know, the Bible warns us a lot in different places about comparing ourselves amongst ourselves because we can usually find somebody worse than us, and we can make ourselves feel pretty good. Well, I'm not so bad. Well, look at what that Christian's doing, and look at what that Christian's doing, and look what I'm doing in comparison. But, you see, the problem is, is that there's only one goal that really matters, and that's the perfection, the holiness, the righteousness. All of our righteousness are as filthy rags, he says. We need the righteousness of Jesus Christ imputed to us. But David here, he's looking back and he says, Wow. You know, he said, I had a rebellious spirit. I was transgressing against God. And you know, I was seeing, I was. I was coming short of the mark. I was. I wasn't what I needed to do. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. The third word he uses there to describe his wrong was 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 iniquity. And of course, uh, uh, the word iniquity. Uh, if if we think of, I guess. Uh, uh, Sin as being a distortion, as missing the uh, uh, the mark a little bit, well, iniquity has taken that to a perverse uh, degree. Uh, it carries with it this idea of of perverseness. Uh, it literally the, the word that it comes from means to be crooked. Uh, it's uh, you know we, we use the term crooked to uh, uh, to describe a lot of things. Something that's warped, something that's bent, uh, something that's not straight. And uh, so David, you know, when he's, he's thinking back of, of his sin and what he had done, you know, he's describing himself, and it's interesting that he's using all these, all these different ways, this transgression, sin, iniquity. And, of course, then he goes on and he uses one other word there. He said, and in whose spirit there is no guile. He describes his wrong next as, as guile. And I guess the best way for us to understand guile is deception, uh, deception. Uh, it uh, really doesn't need a whole lot of uh, explanation. It means anything that is uh, insincere or or cunning or deceptive uh, in, in in some way, shape, or form. And David had certainly tried to uh, to be that. So uh, so we see that he uses these four words and. Uh, you know, one is being defiant against God and the other one's a defect and the other's a distortion and the other one is, uh, is deception. And, you know, that's the thing. He, he committed one wrong, if you would, one sin that was, that was committed there. But in committing that sin, there was a lot of things that was going on inside of him. There was a lot of ways that he was letting God down and he was allowing himself to get caught up in this. And when David confessed his sin. Uh, I think that what he's doing here is, man, he's calling it everything that God might have. <laughs> he's trying to see all the things that he was doing and trying to see it in the same way that uh, uh, that God did. You know that he had uh, he had rebelled, he had revolted against God. That he had had uh, moral defects in his character, uh, in what that he had done. Uh, he had distorted the very purpose of what God had had meant for his life to be and 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 to do. And he was certainly insincere and cunning uh, both in planning that sin and in how that it was going to be committed and then trying to uh, to hide it and to to cover it up afterwards so we find that uh, uh, David has begun to see his sin as God's seen it he's tried not to try to make it light and and you know we're all guilty of that uh, and you know we I guess the thing is is that uh, uh, that regardless of what our sin is we need to see it as God sees it, we need to understand it as God would understand it, and to agree with with God about it. And so David had not done that to start with, and that's why that David had got into this drought. Uh, this this the rivers of, of of water, the living water, had just quit flowing, and uh, and he knew that he was in a, a dry place spiritually speaking. But we find that uh, uh, David had a confession to make. Uh, David was willing to see what he had done as God saw it. Uh, but, you know, I want you to see something. You know, one of the amazing things about, about this man, David, uh, you know, as we look through the Bible and we see these godly characters, you know, if you or I had been writing the Bible and we were talking about, you know, the king of Israel, King David, I mean, you know, the very lineage that, that Jesus was going to, uh, uh, to come through, Uh, somebody that had been described as a man after God's own heart, Uh, all these wonderful things, you know, that had started from his childhood and and getting out that sling and and bringing down Goliath and all those things. Well, we probably would have been tempted to leave out this part of looking across the rooftop. Uh, We probably would have just kind of left that out because we thought, you know, that uh, that would tarnish him or whatever. But, you know, as we looked at this morning, uh, greater love hath no man uh, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Uh, and the simple truth is, is we we look at that matter of the fact that you know we we can't do anything. It's impossible for us to do anything to make God love us more, and it's impossible to do anything to make God love us less. God loves us with a perfect love, and uh, and of course that's uh, the love that we saw going through. And and here's this man David and. And though he was used so greatly of God, uh, he had a flaw. And when that sin came out, uh, you know, he was a man of prestige. He was a man that many people's eyes were upon. And so, therefore, you know, his natural instinct was just, just to keep quiet about it, to put it aside, if you would. When that happened, David hit a dry spot spiritually that he didn't like very much. Uh, he felt like that he had just totally, completely dried up. But he had to come to the point to where that he was willing to get honest with himself, to face his sin for what it was, to call it every dirty, putrid name that he thought that God would see it as. And, of course, thirdly, I want to give you this. We see David's confidence. You know, he had messed up bad. But, boy, he knew what a great God uh, you know his confidence was was restored, uh, and I guess sometimes that's the thing that uh, is sometimes hard when uh, when we falter, when we get off track, when we uh, we may begin to fear and things like that. But uh, uh, but David had confidence. He was he was absolutely confident that God would forgive him. Uh, you ever had the devil try to come to you and say nope? <laughs> God done forgave you for that one six times before, you know, you're not going to go back again, you know, with that, with that same sin. Or, you know, you know, who are you trying to kid? Uh, and the devil, many times, have you ever had the devil, after you've confessed something and got it right with God, and then he come and tried to throw it back up in your face again, and, you know, that thing's under the blood, it's gone, you know, it doesn't even exist there anymore, and yet he tries to bring it back up. But David was confident. He was confident of forgiveness, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. You forgave me. It was, it was, it was, it was wiped out, it was done away with. And of course, not only was he confident of forgiveness, but he was he was confident, even though he'd messed up, he was confident of his position with God, because he also said, For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when what when thou mayest be found uh, when you're there uh, and and david David knew even though that even though they had made such a horrible, terrible mistake, he knew that when he went to God, he knew that God would forgive him, he knew that when he went to God he knew that. God was there because he knew that God was already dealing with him. He knew that God wanted him. You know, it's possible. It's possible for those hearts to get hardened. It's possible for us, you know, so many times with, with sin to uh, uh, become desensitized to it, to where that we don't uh, recognize it. And, of course, this is something Christians have to be very careful of in the world that we live in because there's so much of it around. It's so easy for us, you know. You know maybe something that uh, five years ago, ten years ago, if we had seen that or if we had heard that uh, it would have just uh, uh it would have riled us up, and we'd have been raving you know you know upset about it but suddenly we 've kind of gotten used to it. The world wants us to get used to it uh, i 'm not picking on certain groups, but you know the world wants you to become desensitized to to homosexuality; they want you to see it as just just an alternative, another lifestyle that people have a right to live if they want to. Uh, people want you, t- or the world wants you to become desensitized uh, to, uh, uh, to, to God's institution of marriage. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're married, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, just live together and have your family and do all these things and uh, forget about all that stuff. Uh, we could go right down the list. The thing is, is I don't have to make a list for you to recognize and, and, and know completely and agree with me this evening that when we look at the world today, of even a world 10 years ago and 20 years ago, the church has become very desensitized to a lot of things. It's not politically correct for us to speak out of some of those things. Well, whether it's politically correct or not, God's Word doesn't change. And, of course, you remember again, I, you know, what we, what we talked about this morning, you know, the, the one thing, you know, that, that, that yes... You know love is the answer you know when we when we love each other in the same way that that God the Father loved his son and that his and son his son in turn uh, loved each and every one of us when we're loving each other in that way, that same unconditional, completely selfless giving love, then we're not going to be doing a whole lot of fighting. <laughs> the problem is is that uh, uh, the world doesn't see it as very loving uh, when we stand up and speak out against sin. Well, David had confidence of the forgiveness that God would give him. David had confidence of the position that God would be there when he went to him, uh, when he could be found. He was also confident of, of, of God's protection over him. He said, Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him, unto me. You know, sometimes those waves can seem pretty powerful and pretty strong. And uh, sometimes whether they're, uh, you know, things that are coming at us directly or just seem to be all around us or whatever, but David said, I know my God. You know, there's, uh, there's some big storms out there, but uh, they're not going to come nigh to me. <laughs> uh, they're not going to touch me. Uh, and, you know, again, I guess, you know, that's one thing, you know, if you could have that c- kind of confidence when you're standing in the way of uh, of a tsunami or a typhoon or a hurricane or or, or something like that. But, you know, sometimes spiritually those storms can be just as big. They can be just as powerful as those 200-mile-per-hour winds that just hit the Philippines. But but David had a confidence because once, once he got honest with God and once he confessed that, he knew. He knew the God that he was serving. He also says, Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Uh, he not only had... Uh, uh, had, I guess, confidence in God's protection for him, but in God's uh, preservation of, of him, uh, that 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 God was the one that was going to uh, uh, preserve him. He knew that uh, he had a weakness or a flaw, and if he was going to be able to, uh, to do what was right, that it was going to have to come from God. It was going to take a strength, but he had a, he had a confidence in God and that uh, uh, God would be there to do that. And, of course, he also have, had a confidence that, uh, yes, you know, I can come out of this drought. He said, thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. <laughs> I can be delivered from this. You know, I know that God would. You know, the, the truth is, is that we, we can't get in a valley that's too deep for God to deliver us from it. Uh, we can't get in a situation that if we, you know, the one thing, the one thing that the devil wants us to do is to doubt to doubt whether God will really forgive us, to doubt whether God's even going to hear our prayer, to doubt whether God's going to do anything to protect us or or, or preserve us or any of those things. And he'll try to put all those doubts in the mind. Faith in believing that God is who he says he is, that nothing is too big for God, that when Jesus Christ died upon the cross, he was a propitiation for all sin. And we find that... Uh, Uh, that David had that confidence that, man, I've been in a dry, dry, dry valley. But you know what? He said, thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. There was one other thing. He said, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way that thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. He knew that God was there to guide him. Uh, he'd obviously gotten uh, away from God's guidance when he messed up, uh, but he had confidence of knowing that he was the one that went astray. He was the one that got out of line. It wasn't God. God was there for him all the way. So I guess the uh, uh, in, in summary, the simple thought that uh, I want to leave with you tonight is, uh, you know, we need to deal with our drought. Uh, when we get into that dry place spiritually, when we we really don't feel those rivers of living water flowing from within us that uh, that Jesus has promised us. When we're facing a drought like David was, uh, let's not be like David when he was there and, and just try to, to, to keep quiet and, 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 and deny it and somehow put it off. Uh, let's take a lesson from, from David uh, when he got into that place. Uh, let's be willing to... Uh, to confess it to God and to call it everything that God would see it as, uh, to recognize it for just uh, for just what it is, whatever it is in our life. Because, you know, just as we saw this morning that, uh, you know, uh, Jesus said that if you were His friend, you'd keep His commandment. Jesus said if you loved Him, you'd keep His commandments. Um, sometimes uh, when we are looking at what God wants us to do, uh, sometimes that's not easy for us. Sometimes we look and we don't really want to hear what he's saying. You know, I can, remember, I can remember my mom and dad telling me some pretty good stuff when I was growing up, but it wasn't what I wanted to hear at the time. Uh, it wasn't the news that I wanted to get, uh, and it wasn't what I wanted to do, but yet it was because they loved me, because they cared for me. And I guess that as, uh, as David here, when he, when he got into that, that condition, uh, when we get into that condition, if there's something that's separating us, because we saw this morning... You know, Jesus wanted us to continue in that love, to abide in that love, that our, that our joy might be full and that his joy might be in us. You know, he's wanting happiness and joy for us. He's wanting us to be right there. His love is never, ever, ever going anywhere. It's never in question. It's us. It's us that's got out of his love. It's us that's allowed something to get in there to, to separate it. And, of course, here, David, his sin was what had separated him. And boy, God was dealing with him on the inside and he was trying to keep it out on the outside. But when there's something, if we're dry, we're dry for a reason. Uh, And the truth is, is that uh, we can always, God is always there for us. Uh, God will forgive us, but we need to get honest and we need to go back with him. And, you know, let's not not survive uh, in the dry, in the drought. Uh, Let's experience those flowing rivers of living water. That comes from within. When, when Jesus Christ is in is in control of our lives, we can deal with the drought. Too many Christians stay in the drought. Uh, they stay in the dry area, and they've got all kinds of excuses, and they, they even convince themselves that there's nothing that they can do about it. That 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 life is just a mess, and they can't do anything about it. But that's not what God's word is teaching us. We're not talking about a lot of the cheap junk that uh, that people try to name it and claim it just because that they uh, put the word, the word Jesus in there. We're talking about walking with God, abiding with him. We're talking about, you know, when, when there's things that, that spiritually is getting us down and keeping us down and keeping us from knowing that, that, that joy, David knew that the Lord would restore that joy to him, but not as long as he was not dealing with the problem. Doesn't matter how small or how big, uh, sin separates us from God. And sin will put us in those dry places. And, and uh, you know, y'all look like a pretty good bunch of people. Uh, but, you know, we sin daily. We have to die daily. We need to keep that out of our lives. We need to, to try to, when, when we get into one of those, those dry spots and we feel like that we're in a drought, uh, let's take some lessons from, uh, uh, from David here in the, in the psalm. Let's look at our situation honestly. Uh, let's be willing to confess it and call it what God would call it uh, see it as God would see it and, uh, and deal with it and have the confidence to know that if we'll just face it and recognize it and acknowledge it for what it really is, and if we go to Him with it, then He's going to forgive us. Uh, he's going to take care of it. He doesn't want it in our lives. He's, he's wanting to take care of it. He's wanting to take it away from you. He's not wanting to, uh, uh, to keep it there so that it'll destroy you, keep you down and, and all these things. He wants it gone. He wants it out of your life. He wants that sweet, sweet fellowship with you. So, so dealing with the drought, uh, if you're feeling a bit of a spiritual drought, then uh, maybe something in King David's life uh, can help you to, uh, uh, to put that drought aside and just know that, uh, that the Lord's there for you. Father, we thank you this evening, uh, Lord, for this uh, a simple thought from the psalm. And I know, Lord, that as I uh, read this psalm that it was a, it was a blessing to me uh, Lord, and to see just these uh, these simple truths that uh, uh, that are present there, Lord, is something that can be a very practical lesson in each and every one of our lives every day. Because, uh, Lord, it's so easy uh, to get into one of those dry spots to to experience a drought like David was. Uh, but Lord, help us to be able to uh, uh, to not leave things as David had left them to start with, but help us to be willing to deal with it. Uh, to acknowledge our, our, our failings, uh, to confess them, to see them as you are, to deal with them and get them out of our lives so that, uh, uh, Lord, we can have that, uh, uh, that relationship that you would have with us, that we can uh, uh, somehow, Lord, be able to, uh, uh, to know the fullness of that joy that we, uh, that we looked at this morning. And, Lord, if that joy is gone, as, 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 as David said here, to have that joy returned unto us. Help us, Lord, uh, as your people, because we know uh, that that's what you want for us. We'll give you all the praise for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.